Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, September 30th. Today on the show, a huge slate of action in the SEC is highlighted by a game that you may not be thinking about. Josh Ward from WNML previews the Tennessee-Missouri matchup. Nashville SC gives up a couple of points late on Wednesday evening, but we begin with an injury update about two critical Tennessee Titans wide receivers. The Kingston Group is the name you need to know. BuildKG.com is the website you need to know because if you live in a home, you probably should be thinking about what the next steps are, what the next big decisions are for that home. How can you maximize your home's value and also create an environment that you love, that you are happy in? And this is what the Kingston Group does, but they don't do it right away. It doesn't happen overnight. You need to plan it, you need to think it through, and you need to have all of the information on the front end, which is where the Kingston Group comes in. It's why they are award-winning, and it's why they've been successful in Nashville for over a decade. You don't just do that by accident. It happens because you have a thoughtful and established process. Trust the process, as Saban would say. The Kingston Group. A pair of hammies might leave the Titans incredibly shorthanded this weekend against the lowly Jets. According to Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissaro of the NFL Network, both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown could miss this weekend's game against New York due to hamstring injuries. Now, to be fair, the Titans are good enough to beat the Jets without their top two receiving targets. And if there was a time to slow play and protect their top two prized passing assets, it would be the two weeks you were playing the Jets and the Jaguars. But it's no less concerning, as this is the exact thing that anyone with a brain has been worried about since Jones got hurt in his first full padded practice of the season. Josh Reynolds and Marcus Johnson are working their way back. Johnson was back on the practice field on Wednesday. But if they had to play today, the Titans would be running Chester Rogers, Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Cam Batson out there as their starting wide receivers. In related good news, tight end Anthony Ferkser was back at practice on Wednesday and, and could help carry some of the load in the passing game as Brown and Jones nurse themselves back to full strength. Look, here's the deal. If there's ever a time to rest Jones and Brown at any point during the season, this is the two-week stretch. So while the tweaks and the snags suck and are not a good sign at all, at least they happen at the best possible time. The Titans should still be able to go 2-0 against the Jets and Jaguars, even if Ryan Tannehill is throwing to SpongeBob SquarePants and Eric Cartman. Week 5 is arguably the best slate of SEC games we will see all season. And it's not even just the SEC. It might be the best weekend of college football I can remember in years across all conferences. In the SEC, Lane Kiffin and his insane offense takes on Mentor and the GOAT, Nick Saban. Arkansas travels to Athens to try to out Georgia, Georgia. The slow train wreck that you cannot take your eyes off of in Baton Rouge when Auburn and LSU do something resembling a football game on Saturday night. Two of the more physical teams in the entire country battling in Lexington when a top 10 Florida team takes on an unbeaten Kentucky team. Texas A&M tries to get back on track against a wildly unpredictable Mississippi State Bulldogs team. And come season's end, I bet we will look back at the Missouri-Tennessee matchup as the game that decided bowl eligibility for both teams. Even Vanderbilt has a chance to win against college football media obsession UConn. From top to bottom, we've got nothing but a college football celebration in all of its glory in the SEC this Saturday. We've got ranked matchups. We've got tons of coaching drama with backstories. We've got rivalries. 
and we've got postseason aspirations littered across the entire region this weekend. My only hope, or maybe concern, is that the games on the field will look as good as they do on paper. I cannot see Ole Miss or Arkansas going into Tuscaloosa or Athens and winning. I don't think Arkansas will play enough defense or score enough to beat Georgia, and I don't think the recently celebrated Ole Miss defensive improvements are going to be good enough to do anything but basically annoy the Alabama offense. So I have concerns that the top two matchups on this week's slate may not be as close as people think. I could also see Florida simply grinding Kentucky into a pulp the way they sat on Tennessee last weekend. So as good as the games do look on paper, it might come down to some bizarre voodoo magic at night at the Auburn-LSU game to save the weekend. Sure, I I think Tennessee and Missouri could be a very close and very entertaining game. We'll talk more about that with Josh Ward. But I don't think anything on the schedule comes close to what's going on down on the plains and in the bayou. Both coaching staffs are under tremendous pressure and are doing very strange things. Brian Harson's already fired a coach at Auburn and can't get enough guys on the field. And we know Coach O is basically teetering on the brink of existence. Auburn hasn't won at LSU since 1999. Two huge fan bases, two great brands under the lights at 8 p.m. late kickoff in Death Valley. It doesn't get any better than that, folks. It may not be a high level of football, a, a great quality game. But I'm telling you, you will not be able to take your eyes away from what you're watching. I hope the rest of the slate lives up to the hype as well. But I can guarantee you, no matter what happens in the Auburn-LSU game, it will be interesting. And it will be something we're talking about next week. All right, it's Thursday. That means it's time to talk with Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville. Of course, you can hear him every single day up there in the 865. Josh, good to see you, man. Let let me ask you first about the Florida game before we talk Missouri. Real quickly, did you see the buy-in and the belief and the the culture taking root, whatever cliche you want to use? Did you see what you wanted to see out of Tennessee in a not-close fourth quarter? I think if you're looking at all that, the the effort, the fight, those are words we use often when we're trying to answer this question. Yes, that was there. And we heard the right things from the players after the game. The result was not what they wanted, but their belief in what the coaching staff is asking of them is very much there and that they believe that they are going to get better results, especially against teams like Missouri, Kentucky later in the season, these games that we talked about all offseason long that the players and the coaching staff believe that it's going to come soon and they needed to come this week. But coming out of the Florida game, the end result is not what they wanted. Some of the individual plays and where they were in the middle of that game, that was what they were hoping, I think, to get out of the game. Now you need to clean some of these things up to go get a win because getting a win, I think, soon and certainly in a few of these games is going to be really important. Yeah, bowl bowl eligibility could be on the line for both, not just Tennessee, but also Missouri this weekend. Uh, what What is the status of the quarterback situation? I feel like I've asked you this every single time we've we've spoken in the last couple of months, uh, but now we've got an, another injury involved in this. What, what is the status of the quarterback situation? And were you surprised at the point spread, just three points for Tennessee and Missouri? So the quarterback conversation has gone back and forth. There have been some positive conversations behind the scenes about what maybe Hendon Hooker has been able to do on the practice field. So I think there is optimism that he can actually be the starter again this week. And I think that's the answer. If Hendon Hooker is good to go physically, I think he has to be the starting quarterback right now for Tennessee on the road against Missouri. And if he is, I think you can look to some of the things they did offensively against Florida and clean that up against a defense that is not as good at Missouri. And you can run on this defense and Hendon Hooker can help run either quarterback, really. Hendon Hooker or Joe Milton can can help run. Now, uh, if health is a concern, you might want to be careful 
running at quarterback, but with Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, that's a big focus. I'm not surprised by the line. I expected Missouri to be a favorite, a slight favorite, and that's what we're looking at. So I think it's about right. I think the game is somewhat of a toss-up, but if I said which side has the advantage, Missouri back at home, the ability to throw the football against Tennessee's defense is what I'm sure they're going to try to attack and use their running back, both running and receiving. I think they have a slight advantage going in. Tennessee will have a chance to prove that that's not right. Yeah, obviously, if you're a Tennessee fan, you want to see a heavy run-focused offense with almost, what, 600-plus yards of, uh, of rushing allowed by Missouri in their two losses to Kentucky and Boston College. So that's what you want to see from offense. Defensively, you're going to see something totally different. Like, F- Florida just sort of grinded them down with all these different, you know, unique and creative rushing styles and attacks from Dan Mullen. Missouri's going to bring something totally different to the game, and you just alluded to Connor Bazelak. Do, do they have the personnel – in place to handle a quarterback who, again, they didn't see a whole lot of until the second half last year when he came in? To this point, the answer would be no with what we've seen. Emory Jones was terrific throwing the football against Tennessee this past weekend, and I don't think he's known as an elite passer in the league. Connor Basilak, I don't know if he's considered elite, but uh, with plenty of talent, and I think he's going to find options. I I think they're going to tell Tyler Beatty, hey, if you're not running the football, go find one of Tennessee's linebackers and run a route in that direction and you'll get open, and that's part of the plan because uh, Kenny Pickett in the first half, once Pittsburgh got things going, they couldn't miss a receiver during a certain stretch in that game. So I'm sure that Missouri's staff on offense has looked at what Tennessee's done defensively, and the defense deserves credit, and they're fighting hard, but they're also giving up completions, and they're giving up a lot of points. It, It tells you something about the expectation of the defense going into the season that they're giving up 41 and 38 points, and People are saying, you know what, I actually kind of like what I've seen from the defense. So it, it might be that kind of year, but this could be a really wacky game. I think it could go either way. So let's see. Yeah, I, I, I like the over. I like craziness. I like bizarre bounces and turnovers. And I, I don't know if sloppy is good, but, but that Pittsburgh game was fun. Josh Ward, of course, from WNML in Knoxville. Always a pleasure joining us every single week here on the program. Uh, enjoy this weekend of action. Should be a great slate of college football this Saturday. You got it. Thanks, Braden. Behind two goals from Hani Mukhtar and Randall Leal, Nashville SC carried a 2-0 lead well past the 70th minute on Wednesday evening at Nissan Stadium. But an Orlando City penalty kick in the 76th minute and then follow-up stoppage time goal allowed the Lions to tie the game and steal a draw. Orlando City controlled much of the match, but Nashville SC had capitalized on critical chances to take a 2-0 lead in what felt like a playoff game. But conceding a two-goal advantage leaves nothing but a bad taste in the mouth of Music City soccer fans. So to quote the captain, Dax McCarty, pretty good performance overall, but obviously a frustrating result. Fans can complain about the penalty call on U.S. men's national teamer Daryl DK that led to Orlando City's first goal. But the Mukhtar penalty kick in the 11th minute that led to Nashville's first goal was equally as questionable. Either way, the game presented great drama and tremendous entertainment for a full 90 minutes, from the first whistle to the final. But the result, as the captain said, is disappointing for Nashville SC, as they gave up three points, just a minute and a half left to go in the game. It was close to being a statement win by the boys in gold. Instead, it's a frustrating result that puts even more pressure on the road trip to New York City FC on Sunday afternoon. Did I mention earlier in the show that the 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group and that this is the only name you need to know 
when considering doing some big work or some big renovations or a custom build on your home, it's because it's the only name you need to know. BuildKG.com is the website. They are locally owned, award-winning, and you can trust their process for a reason because they've been successful in this market taking care of their clients. BuildKG.com is the website. The Kingston Group is the name. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show. That is all that I ask. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Thursday, September 30th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. <laughs>